0: To remote locations, this is the Domesticated Dad Podcast, bringing biblical husbandry to your home. Each episode will deliver sound biblical advice based on the scriptures and our experience in order for you to cultivate mature growth as a godly man. We're your host, Justin and Billy, so stay tuned. Welcome back. Today is April 5th. 2020 and this is episode 003 biblical manhood part two if you missed part one be sure to go back and listen to last week's show to get caught up we'll be continuing our talk about how the bible defines manhood so stay tuned hey billy what's uh, what's been going on this week
1: uh, not too much, uh, uh, kind of interesting event. The, uh, the triplets are kind of at the age now they figured out how to take their clothes and diapers off and run oh, in different yes. directions. So that's, uh, yes. that's been fun today as I was chasing, you know, naked child running around as the other ones are undressing and jumping and climbing on everything like a tornado. It occurred to me that Mr. Rogers did not prepare me for the people that live in my hood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: no, uh. I can't even imagine with triplets, Billy. I mean, you know, all of our children were, you know, toddlers one at a time. Uh, so I, I applaud you, sir. You uh, you are a gentleman and a scholar.
1: Oh, I, it, it is definitely, uh, definitely answers. I, I think back to those times and I'm sure you can relate as well. Even some joint times with us, like in Iraq, you know, when something's happening, you know, I used to then you know, whether it be a rocket attack or whatever, you think back to, I thought back to my childhood and, you know, the early 90s watching, you know, playing with toys as we watched the news and the Iraq war started and then, you know, to find yourself there and you're like, oh my goodness, you know, are we going to make it through this or, you know, and there's those times where the craziness here gets it and I look around and I'm like, am I going to survive this? But I (laughs) definitely love them to death and so thankful that God brought them into our lives. But it is definitely challenging doing the homeschool and the triplets and then the other you know, responsibilities, but it's definitely a blessing. and I've definitely grown a lot. You know, yeah, absolutely, the man.
0: absolutely, man. I've got a, uh, I got a funny, a funny uh, child story this week. Um, so pro- probably like you and, and the rest of everybody, our church is, uh, you know, not meeting right now because of, you know, state orders and, and such. <clears throat> anyway, so, uh, you know, we don't, we don't have a big church and, you know, my kids have always gone to the same church, uh, the small little church in in Alabama, and uh, my father in law is the preacher there. I think he's been preaching there for about twenty six years now. Anyway, so they they've been doing the service, uh, him and the the music director. They they've been doing it on Facebook, so people can watch and you know tune in, I guess. So anyway, uh, today. Well, uh, may, it may have been last week. I'm sorry. Maybe I misspoke. I think this was last week it happened. I was at work. My wife was telling me about it. Um, my son was sitting there. They're all watching the, the service. And uh, they, they do the singing. And it gets to the, the prayer time. My father-in-law's praying. And the, my son looks at my wife and says, this would almost be just like we were really there. If when Pop got done praying, you would let me go play outside. Because at that time, normally before he actually begins the message, the children get up and go to children's church. And my wife looked at him and said, No, nah, you little knucklehead, you're gonna sit here and watch it.
1: <laughs> that's uh that's that's funny. It's like today we were watching our our church was doing like well, you know, on YouTube, you know, for the for the church, but you know, uh, the babies are kind of running around playing while we're watching on the tv and and Riker decided to go to sleep and it's funny as soon as the pastor comes on he starts snoring and he's out right and he and as soon as the pastor stops preaching on the youtube he pops back awake and you know <laughs> i said kyla did you teach him that trick you know she would know, going to church like you beat she beat like pay attention and then five minutes later you're looking she's like apparently never slept in her life because she's just out like, you know, cold and I'm like, Come on, kid, we gotta we gotta work on this but but yeah, the kids are fun. I said it's you know, it's definitely interesting, I said, you know, to see how they interact and understand things that are that are going on. I said I do like the, the children's church. We do that too so many I think so many times a month and the kids they really seem to learn a lot and enjoy it. You know, and then they get to that you know at certain age then they sit in, you know, the the corporate church there with everybody, you know. But I said, I do like the idea of communicating to them on their level, where they kind of can really understand what what you're talking about.
0: You know? Oh yeah, yeah, I, I do too. And I I think they pick up on more than what we give them credit for. You know, sometimes my kids will ask me some questions, and you know, I, I'm wondering, like, you know, would they, you know, would they hear this, or you know, what even spark their curiosity about, you know, what what we're talking about and Um, I I think that you know. I think it's good for them to sit in church and hear things. But I, I, you know, like you said, you know, when they go to children's church and it's more on their level, I think they, I think they do pick up on a lot of stuff. Yes,
1: it's definitely. I think you're right. I think they do pick up and they understand things and they see things. You know they definitely like learn things you know just in an abstract way but they also i think like you were talking they really look at us too and they they know if there's inconsistencies if we're saying one thing and doing another i said but it's funny too when you, you talk about uh the kids having hard questions i said you know, it seems like whenever Kyla's really really tired at night she becomes a thirsty philosopher <laughs> that, wants a, that wants a hug you know it's like it's it's like it's something about nighttime where they want to yeah. ponder the hardest questions in the universe, you know, okay, all know. day it's pretty, pretty chill. But then at night, all of that comes out.
0: My son, he's like that. He, um, he's a hundred percent boy and his imagination is, you know, out of this world. And he told me the other day, he said, daddy, when I'm laying in bed right before I go to sleep, I get the best ideas. And he'll lay there and ponder these ideas about what he's going to do or how he's going to create or what he's going to, you know, find. And I think, you know, I think part of that is, you know, that, uh, that God instilled that, that drive in, in men to, you know, they have to lead, they have to adventure, they have to create. And, And I think he's just exercising, you know, what God created him to do and I you know I guess I'm the same way sometimes I'll be right before I fall asleep I'll have an idea about you know something I need to do better in the garden or you know maybe you know talk to the kids about this and then you lay there and you know you're thinking about what you need to do and you can't go to sleep and I guess it's like a catch-22 type thing you know
1: oh absolutely absolutely I said it is like I do think that that God definitely, there's like that general drive initiative, things that, you know, he puts into men and women that are, you know, maybe specific to our, you know, our, our gender or our, our psyche or conscience, you know, and I said, he also, I think it give, definitely gives us, you know, individual talents that, you know, he wants us, you know, we're the talents there, but we need to, you know, work it out and build up the muscles for that talent to be able to, you know, to take it to the next level. You know, I said, that's, I think even, you know, in the church that was kind of interesting, like I said, you know, sometimes other people pick up on your talents more so than you do, you know, like whether it be in school, you see a, a child that's good at art or good at math and you keep challenging and pushing them, you know, they develop that. And I said, even in the, in the church, sometimes, you know, uh, we've had several people, even that I've known that um, they didn't look at themselves as able to teach or do certain things, you know, in that kind of like a, a larger setting than their family but then they started, you know, people started to pick up the, like they have some like God giftedness in this and, you know, the Sunday school do some other things, and you, you see people grow those, even the gifts that God gives us after we're saved to kind of work for the kingdom, those special gifts, you know, that some people have, you know, definitely different gifts, but they're all important for the, the long-term goals that God has set.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, Billy. I agree. Well, we're, uh, we're going to finish up part two of biblical manhood today. Uh, you know, I hope everybody listened to part one. If not, go back and check it out. Uh, and I guess we'll jump right in here to part two.
1: Well, that, that sounds good. I, I tell you, if you haven't yet, you know, subscribe, like, share with your friends. And uh, and definitely, like you said, if you hadn't heard part one, I think you'll definitely see the flow. And uh, we really hope that it'll help you out, you know.
0: All right. Well, it was good talking to you, Billy. And uh, let's jump into part two.
1: All right, let's get it going. Um,
0: I, I think another uh, attribute uh, attribute uh, to biblical. Manhood, Billy, uh, just to move along, uh, I, I think the scriptures clearly state that we need to take responsibility, uh, for our families. If we don't have a family yet, if you're a single man, uh, take responsibility for starting a family. Uh, I think we need to take responsibility for shepherding, shepherding. Good grief, my. Like my tongue ain't working today, Billy. Shepherding that family uh, spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, physically, uh, uh, relationally—you know, just obviously, you you know, you're responsible for every aspect of, you know, the lives of your wife, your wife and children. Uh, You know, we need to provide for them uh, through your work or you know, uh, if, if you're a stay-at-home dad, you, you know there there's no monetary value on domestic duties. You know the you know that, that that is a provision to your family, right? Just because you know your wife may bring in the the salary or the income, it doesn't mean that a father can't provide you know the other necessary needs for the family. Uh, I think we need to take responsibility for protection of our family. Um you know there's a list list of scriptures I have written down here, Deuteronomy 20, 7 through 8, Joshua 1, 14, Judges 4, 8 through 10, you know, and the list goes on. Yeah, I think the scriptures clearly lay out, you know, we need to protect our families uh with violence if necessary. Uh not that I'm, you know, saying we just need to go out and kill everybody, but um, uh, I guess that's a different topic for another day if you will <laughs> and, you know I think um something else that we need to take responsibility for as biblical men uh is to train boys uh our sons and to to become biblical men and if you don't have a son, you need to be that example for your daughters uh of what a biblical man is. So when they find their future husband, who's going to carry on your generation, you know, you're going to pass down your legacy to that generation. Your daughters need to know what a biblical man looks like. Um, I think, you know, I I think that may be one of the, the greatest responsibilities that we have is training our children sons and daughters, on what biblical manhood looks like.
1: Yeah, you you just nailed it again. I mean, that's exactly what needs to happen. I think one of the shortfalls, what happens is, you know, know, it's kind of like the the logical progression is to teach something, you must first know something. And uh, I think a lot of times, you know, you've hit on it in the past about the amount of time you know, the average kid, let's just say they're in, you know, the government system in a public school, you know, you look at the average time they're gone through the day, and then they get home, they got homework, and then they're doing stuff with friends and, in sports, and you look at the time you actually spend, you spend very little time, and with your children, how much of that time are you actually teaching them something that would be of substance and value, and, you know, like we'd said, you know, every moment's a teaching moment, but I said, you know, men, I think, and this is something a challenge, when I say that I'm talking to myself as much as anybody else is, is when we're going to think about the kind of things we need to train, we, we need to kind of come out of the man cave and head back to the study. We, ne- we need to hit the books per se and and learn about God, and then in you know in that same manner be able to communicate uh, some very complex truths in ways that children can understand and apply, and then also live it because, I mean, kids can see through phony. I mean, they're, they're, more, they're more intelligent than we give them credit for. I mean, they can see if you say it, but don't live it. And I said, you know, that's something we see over. You know, the, fortunately, the Christian church in you know, years past, you know, we've, we've kind of lost that, like, intellect or, or reasoning or critical thinking and uh, devotion to God, loving him with all our mind, and we kind of love him with all our emotions. You know, and I I don't mean to sound bad. I mean, I I listen to the music and love it, but I always call it the K-Love theology because it's uh, inspiring and and it's uh, motivated and it's never, you know, sad or at times, you know, uh, know, sometimes it's a mile wide and an inch deep. And I don't mean that to be like, you know, negative towards them, but, you know, it's positive, encouraging, K-Love. And and sometimes truths that you need to know are not so positive and encouraging. Sometimes things are tough. And in the Bible, you're going to find a lot of things they're going to be tough, and I think sometimes we we have to know that and be able to communicate that to our kids.
0: Yeah, um, I, I think I think it was uh, T D. Jakes. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the preacher T D. Jakes. Feeling. Uh, I think it was him that I listened to one time say that the average. Christian family, Christian family now, spends less than one hour outside of the church discussing God, things of the Bible, you know, things of the spiritual realm, uh, and, and there's no way to train anybody on one hour a week.
1: You know, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not gonna get much. I think you you might have even said it before in a conversation with me. It, it's like you know they they go to school for all these hours, you know, and then they they go to Sunday school. You know, if you even get up for Sunday school, you know, it's a lot of people. They they might make it to the main service, and then the kid sleeps in the pews. And, you know, like I said, we've all you know got our guilt here and there. But I said you know they hear Noah built an arky arky out of gopher barky, and they, and you they expect that that is gonna be enough. To go okay. against the challenges they get against God from every aspect of their lives, you know. And I said, uh, I like Vody Balkum one time said, you know, if you send your kids to Caesar, don't be shocked when they come home as Romans. And you know, they're they're in a training program with a worldview. I mean, government education uh, is not unbiased. I always say that the unbi if you think anything is unbiased, you, you know that may be one of the biggest myths. Everybody leans one way or the other. But the question is, is the the bias you have or the bent you have? Do you have reasons to support that, and are they logical and coherent? And I think the Christian worldview, when applied to the test, it always comes out reasonable, logical, and coherent. And you know the the you know the neo-Darwinian you know evolutionary scheme. You know you know what why it does why we have so much violence is is it one end you're saying kids be moral and be good, and, you know, love your neighbor, you know, at the schools, you know, take care and volunteer, and on the other end, you're basically a cosmic accident with no purpose meaning your future, uh, you know, at one point, the universe will die of a heat death, and no one will be there to remember you, but, oh, by the way, be good to your neighbor, you know, I mean, they, you know, you, you think about it, you know, your your kids are pushed with all these different views, and, and they're not connecting in their mind, And you know, and that's why I think a, a, a articulated view of the Christian worldview for your kids to kind of see the bigger picture, you know, it, it'll pay dividends in the long run. I really think so.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt, Billy, really, that, um, I mean, you, for your kids to, I, I guess, truly believe, you know, what they're being taught, um, Hey, you know, in the church, in Sunday school, they have to see it laid out for them every day in their home. Uh, my wife and I had the opportunity to listen to Todd Friel, the, the host of Wretched Radio. Uh, we listened to him uh, at a teaching, teaching diligently homeschool conference a few years ago. And he uh, he said he did a study. It was several major uh, universities throughout the Southeast uh, in what, you know, would be considered the Bible Belt. And, you know, he went through and asked all these questions and, you know, there was, you know, it was like some large portion of the students that he spoke to said they grew up in a, 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 quote, Christian home, you know, they went to church, but surprisingly, Billy, it was it was something like seventy three percent of those college children, I'm gonna call them children, college children, um, had had stepped away from the faith. And he said the number one reason was that they did not see the gospel lived out in their homes. Their parents told them they went to church. But when they got home from church, that was it. They didn't talk about it no more. They didn't see it played out in the actions. They didn't see their 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 father loving their mother, Well, they didn't see their mother loving their father. You know, and yeah, you know, I, I think that goes back to you know the scriptures lay out. It is our responsibility, you know, to shepherd our family, you know, spiritually and, and you know, we need to train our children. You know, we talked about last week, you know, we've got to train up our children so that they tell their children and their children tell their children or, or, you know, in less than one generation, you know, we've forgotten who God is. If we don't act now, if, you know, if if we just kind of set it on the back burner and Uh, You know, obviously, I think Sunday school is great, but um, I think a lot of times, like you you said, they're exposed to, I'm going to call it Sunday school theology, these cute pictures of Adam and Eve in a a garden and, you know, this cute, smiling little snake handing Eve an apple and, oh, no, you don't eat that. And, you you know, I, I know that, you know, they're trying to, you know... I guess make it colorful and, and friendly for children, but at the same time, it almost makes it like it's a fairy tale. And, you know, we need to be responsible for teaching them the truth and rightly dividing the word of God and showing our kids and our wives for that matter. It's our responsibility to, you know, spiritually shepherd them uh, what the Bible lays out uh, on how we need to conduct ourselves and, you know, how we need to praise the Lord and how we need to pray. And uh, if we don't do it, before we know, everybody's forgotten, you know, who God is. You know, the Israelites, how many times did they do it?
1: Oh, I, yeah, they definitely a lot. It seemed to be more of the, the modus operandi. It, it seemed like, you know, as soon as they get on a good track, they would, you know, they forgot God. You know, forgot you know, who he was, you know, it's like the one, you know, in the Bible talked about the, when they found the law and then they read it, you know, it's like, you know, like so many things in our culture we get it like that. And I said, there's one statistic. It's interesting. You talk about Sunday school. I, I read a statistic one time. I want to say, I don't know if it's Crossway or Barna or one of these groups that, that does the surveys. And what was really interesting to me is um, it had a percentage of kids that walked away from church and, and those that went to Sunday school were the highest percentage. Uh, those that didn't go to Sunday school actually had a higher uh, retention rate of, of staying in church. And I said, you know, it makes you wonder what you talked about, how often in Sunday school, you know, what usually happens in the church is there's a lack of volunteers, lack of men, leadership, lack of people, you know, motivated. And you get someone teaching because they need a person, not because a person is called to teach or has evidence that they should teach or the knowledge to teach They they spend seven minutes at home reading the, the Crossway or Lifeway, you know, study thing. They regurgitate it to the Sunday school. They show a picture. Look, this is Noah's Ark, kids, you know, or, or even to the older adults. You know, it, it's usually someone that's very ill-prepared for that task because we kind of look at it a Sunday school. But, I mean, you know, someone's supposed to get up there and explain God's word to a group of people. I mean, you, you want that person to know what they're doing i mean you wouldn't want a surgeon that didn't go to medical school and and that's just for your physical life when it comes to your your you know your metaphysical soul that will never die in its eternal uh, destination you know you would hope that someone had more training than than i spent seven minutes with my life weight book you know it's it's just a very sad state often that, that we find ourselves in yeah
0: absolutely really i i would agree um uh, I, I would also say, Billy, uh, really that uh, another attribute uh, to biblical manhood, masculinity, um, would, would be the, the selfless, sacrificial love that we're supposed to show our, our wife, right? Uh, I, I think Ephesians 5, you know, 22 through 33 uh pretty much lays it out, you know, we need to love our wives faithfully, effectively, carefully, and and completely, you know, Um, and you know, all all the way back to Genesis, you know, Eve came from Adam and and what did Adam say when, when he saw it? He said, you know, behold, this is Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, you know. And then, you know, the next verse. Therefore, therefore, this is why a man leaves his parents and joins his wife; they become one flesh, right? We need. I mean, that 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 right there is. <clears throat> I guess the. Uh, I've lost my word here. That, that basically that that's what. The glue is it's holding this family unit together, right? The love between me and my wife. And, you know, it's not, uh, you know, obviously I'm the head of my household, not in a tyrannical way. But I, I see men, I see men that I know, you know, they're, that's it. You know, they, what they say. They rule with the iron fist because they're the head, and I I don't necessarily believe that's the love that uh, Paul was writing about when he, when he was writing, you know, this letter to the Ephesians.
1: No, uh, Definitely not. And I said, you know, like, it, it's unfortunate, but, I, you know, and, and the thing is, you know, it didn't start with one person. That, like, these, like, mis-stereotypes uh, about what manhood is, I mean, it started years and years ago, and it just— it kind of gets into the cultural, you know, weave of a society, and, and it definitely, like, you know, misquotes or misapplies what, you know, the Bible you know, means. We were talking about the Bible Belt, and I said, you know, it seems to me, and like I said, growing up in North Carolina, I mean, you know, especially in Charlotte, I mean, this is the state Billy Graham came from, and so many, you know, uh, ministries based in certain parts of the state, you know, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, all this, you know, Samaritan's person. And, you know, in, in this state, you know, in our, you know, several churches I've been to, you know, men have this, you know, often it's almost like a social, physical, uh, you know, not to get political, but conservative view of like, you know, I'm a man and this is the stereotype, I, you know, I rule, like you said, rule with a iron fist. This is my castle. And it's not a sacrificial, it's a self-serving love often instead of a sacrificial love where, you know they're you know giving their all to their wife and to their family and demonstrating that sacrificial love in in big ways and little ways. I mean, like I said, we think of the big ways you know giving you know be willing to give your life for your family, or or you know sacrifice your body and working to ensure that you provide, or if you're disabled or an issue where you know maybe you don't work out of the house, you take care of children and the home front and things like that. That you're willing to to pour yourself into that work because of love and honor of God and. Love and honor a family, but you know, I, I it just gets misconstrued. I find that in the Bible Belt and in certain areas there, it sometimes it's harder to it's it's a mission field in and of itself because we have. I think we unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess how you look at. It, unfortunately, we suffer from a post-Christian nation, but we suffer in the Bible Belt because we, in the sense, people think they understand christianity and and what we have a lot in the pews are just cultural christians mom and daddy went to this church mom and daddy knew a very basic level of understanding of god and they think that christianity is inherited through like some genetic code or something and and we are recalled to to bring our kids up in you know the nourishment and and understanding of god and his word and things but but you know that whole like you know understanding the gospel i mean if you it's interesting rc sprawled to the test one time even to pastors you know those from bible college seminaries whatnot that he had a class and he said what's the gospel explain it to me and almost you know i think it was a one or two but i forget the exact numbers a very small percent could explain it and if in and a lot of these pastors you know if they can't explain the gospel clearly then the, people, the people aren't explain it clearly and i mean you look at in a nation like ours it, that looks at Joel Osteen as being a Christian leader and he's a motivational speaker, You know, like I said, the citizen Sacramento, people with the hurricane the place to stay, he locks the doors because they've got a very expensive church. He doesn't want really to get messed up. You know, he, you know things like that get the name Christianity in the South and unfortunately, you know, all over the world people do. But I know like, you know, in my setting of, of talking to people, it seems like in my own backyard is a mission field, but people think they know what Christianity is. They know the gospel because of some cultural aspect of it, and they are like totally off, you know, on what it's really saying. That it's all God's doing, you know, this this ability to to let the ego go. I don't earn my way or make my way. I submit in repentant faith to Christ and loyalty and trust and what He did on the cross is sufficient. I said I don't know if it's something just with men in general. We always you know, in some ways, have the ego want to earn our own way or get there or earn this favor with God, but it's not anything you can earn. I mean, it's, it's something that you freely get. And I, I did get off my soapbox from it. I mean, I'd, I'd drag it out from under the bed every once in a while, the soapbox, and I beat the dead cow with it, you know, with the whip. But I said, that's a, I guess that's my, uh, my one soapbox moment. If I get another one, make sure to push me off of it.
0: No, I, I'm, I, I'm actually glad, Billy, that uh, that you got on the soapbox because it kind of leads me to what I believe. Uh, this is just Justin's opinion on what um, I would say the number one attribute of biblical manhood is, and that is uh, that we desperately need to depend on the grace that only Christ can give. Right. I I am not strong enough on my own to do what the Lord has laid out for me to do. Right. I know that by his grace, love and mercy that he can empower me, you know, to take responsibility, to strive for purity, to, you know, love my wife, to train my children, all the things we talked about, you know. God can do that for me, right? I can't do it on my own, and uh, you know, I, I think it goes to like what you said, you know, so many times, you know, men are like, "I'm going to do this my way, I'm going to earn this," and we can't, right? God graciously gives it to us, and you know, without the dependence on that grace, I know I couldn't do it, Billy, really. uh, and I, I'd like, I'm. I'm going to go on a limb and say that you know you know you couldn't do it as well oh
1: I, yeah I, I, that's not even really a limb that's that's fact there jack i mean it's just we we can't and i said it's something in, in men that was just depending on someone else uh wholly and sufficiently it, it's hard i guess you know in our fallen nature we, we like this like egotistical you know i'm the captain of my ship the master of my fate and and you really, when you come to Christ, you come with empty hands. You have nothing to offer but your sin. And and that, you know, we use the word faith and, and the, like I said, the church today. You know, we use a lot of language, you know, from, from you know, translations of past years that are beautiful and they're great. But the problem with language is language changes very often and words change meanings. And, you know, if you look at some of the, the words, you know, that we kind of, I call it Christianese, you know, the language we use, you know, big word, salvation, and faith, and, you know, th- these things, like, they have different meanings in different contexts, and I said, you know, what we're calling people to do, it's not just some intellectual assent that, yeah, I think there's a God, and I'm I'm sure he, you know, he loves everybody, he's a big grandfather in the sky, is how people look at it, and it's like, no, he's, he's that's not exactly, that's not at all how he's depicted, you know, but it's that idea of just submitting in a repentant heart, and whole trust, I mean, submitting all of it to christ like i depend totally i'm a sinful man and i depend totally on your grace and mercy and on the atonement at the cross that that is the reason i can be in god's presence the reason i can be forgiven is because a payment was made on my behalf and i i offered nothing but the sin that required it you know i mean i i have nothing to offer even my faith i'll even go so far and like i said not to to get into that, that's a whole other subject you know I, I do believe in free will according to a man's nature and you know, i do think that we have a bent towards sin and our nature is, is opposed to god and dead in sin as the bible says but the very faith i exercise the trust the loyalty the belief in god i believe that's a gift in and of itself not something i you know i'm smarter than the next guy or you, know, you see two kids in the same home grow up one becomes a christian one becomes you know total opposite you know you know, the you're pagan of the year if you will and you're like they had the same education up to you know why did one you know and i just go back to like god's grace and mercy you know and that's all i can i can ever lean on or submit to anyone is place your trust in christ repent and believe and be loyal you know no nothing comes between that relationship and a man that loves christ with all his heart is the kind of man that's going to love his wife with all his heart, and the kind of man that you're gonna to want to marry your daughter one day, because he's gonna, if he loves Christ correctly, if he has that right, then all the other things are gonna fall into place. You know, I, I think that that's the kind of domino where, if you have that domino set, all of them are gonna fall into place. You know, if you have that wrong, you know, it tells us not to unequally yoke. And I said when well, we look even at our kids, and and you know they're they're you know like this person of the day, we have to instill in them. To know what a man looks like, you know, our, our daughters should know what a real man looks like, or what what God, you know, depicts as far as manhood. And I think it's something that's gonna it's a continu- continual process, and the world around us is definitely not in our favor on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well said, Billy. Uh, on, on that note, I, I'm gonna wrap it up there. I don't know if I can uh, I don't know if I can uh, come back. That was good. <laughs> Gonna, we're gonna end it on this good note, right here. Really, that was that was good. I'm I'm like motivated right now.
1: <laughs> well, I, I appreciate. Like I said, I I think it's one of those, like we talk about all the time is we're all connected and, and even you know obviously we're dependent upon Christ, but some of the ways God works is just so different than us. You know, I always use like you know how He uses other people and we need each other. The church needs each other. You know, uh, men need other men to help support and disciple and build them up. And and I I always say, like, the the metaphor, like, you know, how does God feed the birds? You know, he could you could supernaturally make the bird not hungry. He could he could, uh, you know, through the natural law and processes, have something grow that the birds could eat or he could lay it on the heart of an old lady to go buy a bag of bird food. It's all God's plan, God's design and God doing it. Um, but God often puts you know people in our lives and and He works through them in ways to kind of you know bring us all of one mind and in unity, you know not unity on every issue. You know, no church agrees on every secondary or tertiary topic, but we're united in the gospel and in and the identity of Christ and those core doctrines that are associated with it. And I think we have to you know stick together because it's tough. you know we we need each other. Um, you know, definitely need each other. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I couldn't agree more. And, um, I think we do need to be in the company of other biblical men, uh, as the support system. Um, you know, even if it's only one or two, uh, you know, close, close confidants, close, you know, buddies, you know, and, you know, you, know, you and I, we're not in the same state. We're hundreds of miles apart, but, you know, we're still there for each other. Yeah.
1: Uh, oh, absolutely. That's beauty of technology. I said, it's definitely, good. Uh, definitely good.
0: Yeah. Well, Billy, it was always, uh, like always, it was good talking to you about biblical manhood. I'm looking forward to next week. Uh, oh, absolutely. you know, I hope that, uh, you know, you've enjoyed it as much as I have. So,
1: Oh, I have, like I said, and, and thank you so much for, for everything. Like I said, I learned so much from you. I said, it's just, you know, you you not only can teach it and say it, but you can live it. And I said that's something I've always uh, admired with you and your family. Just such a motivation and and such a help, you know, to our family. Like I said, we all uh, definitely depended upon one another, and I appreciate you always being there for me for sure. But we'll try not to get too much of a Hallmark moment. Uh, yeah. maybe, maybe a little bit of a Hallmark moment. But I don't know if you'll mm-hmm. mail either you the card or if you need to mail it to me, but you know, we could we could do it either way.
0: All right, Billy. Well, I'll uh, I'll catch you next week, man. I hope you have a good one.
1: You as well. And to our listening audience, thank you for listening. And uh, subscribe, like, share. Come back next week. We're going to have a whole other series of topics or categories that we're going to enter. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. How about you?
0: Oh, yeah, man. Looking forward to it. We'll see you next time. All right. You take it easy, buddy. Thanks for listening in today. If you liked what you heard, please share with your friends and family. Maybe even consider subscribing so that you'll be the first to know when a new episode drops. Remember, friends, God commissioned us to be scholars, protectors, providers, and ministers to our family because the Great Commission doesn't start on Main Street. It begins on your street. Until next time, friends, God bless.